Hi, and welcome to AGM Watch, brought to you by the Australian Shareholders Association. Coming up on the 29th of October 2020 is the JB Hi-Fi AGM, ASX code JBH. Our company monitor is Mike Roby. Hello, Mike. G'day, Phil. How are you going? This AGM season has been dominated by COVID-19, but JB Hi-Fi continues to delight and surprise. It's been a bumper year, hasn't it? It has. And in fact, even before the COVID cliff, uh, JB's was travelling very well. I think they were about 20% up year on year prior to the collapse. So they're, they're really on a roll. Can you give us an idea of some of their numbers? The sales were up 12.5%, I believe, and the gross profit up 11.7%. Yeah. Year on year, including the COVID, uh, they were up 11.6%. And they're, they're almost an $8 billion company now. I mean, this is not that old a company, but they've become, in large part, the retailer's retailer in Australia. They are the one that everybody watches. How would they compare to Harvey Norman in size? Well, Harvey Norman is a much more broad um, business and it has a kind of franchise model, so it's difficult to compare them. But in terms of sales, they're similar, but Harvey's over a much broader range of products. Uh, and they're also in a number of different constituencies. They're Harvey's overseas significantly, whereas JV's is really only in in Australia. So in Australia, they're probably the number one retailer right now. Wow, and um, they took on the good guys a few years ago as well, and um, they're changing a bit of the culture there as well, aren't they? They are. They have a culture of, as I said, they're the retailers' retailers, so they basically watch every dollar, and you can see that. I mean, you just have to walk into a JB store, and it is not um, what you consider to be luxurious fit-out. The shop fittings, are they look like they're homemade. All of the signs look like they've been ticket-written by kind of people from the local tech school, it looks pretty daggy. And it, it is pretty daggy. And I think it's a cultured look. They, they do that because their principal sort of value proposition to customers is about we're cutting prices. And so if you come into a JB and you saw this fantastic shop fit out, you'd say, well, hang on, they're not cutting all their prices, are they? So they, they manage this very well and it works to their advantage in the stores. And the no-frills approach comes down even to the people. You know, they, they have no uh, requirements on staff uh, in the way they dress. So as long as you're not offensive in, in, in the logo on your T-shirt, that's what you can come to work in. And that is really part of their shtick. But uh, the staff love it because there's no positions on them. They're allowed to wear what they like. And in fact, I was watching, um, in preparation for this, I was watching a, a YouTube video of a staff member basically giving a pitch for Father's Day. And he was in a kind of checked shirt, open at the front with a daggy T-shirt underneath, pulled back hair into a bun, a kind of four-day-old goatee, and just looked the part. He just looked totally professional. And you can see how it appealed to the audience that they're going for. So JB Hi-Fi, like I said, has got this no-frills, frugal and focused culture. And they also... As you say, they seem to take pride in it in the way they present their stores, but they look after their staff very well at the moment, especially with COVID-19. They do. And look, they do it in multiple ways. Being frugal means that they can't have full-time staff as their whole employee base. So they've got to actually have a mix in order to have an almost perfect match with their roster, if you like. So I think they're about 60% full-time and a mix of part-time and casual. But all of them because they did such a good job during the COVID period, uh, all of them, including the casuals and the part-timers, got a $1,000 payment from the board, which I thought was pretty damn good, really, considering that you know part-timers maybe two days a week there, but the, the board recognised that there was huge pressure on 
particularly if you remember when COVID hit, everybody wanted to buy a, a better quality webcam and uh, a whole lot of stuff for the office that they were having to set up immediately at home. Mm. And, and stock ran out. And so these people had to sort of um, put back orders in. And, of course, China was partly closed, so things were getting tough. But they scraped together because of their pulling power and their buying power. They scraped together the best stock you could get in the country. And the staff had to sort of move it pretty quickly uh, into the shops and back out again. So they bent over backwards to sort of make it work. They kind of had to clean the shops, do a deep clean while they were still open prior to starting work. So that all became what part of their job description, even though it's not written down. So the staff all did that, came to work, cleaned the stores, opened up a bit late, and then cleaned them up again when they shut down. So some employee arrangements are such that they would expect cleaners to come in, not in JP. They all uh, knuckled down and uh, rolled up their sleeves and got in and did it themselves. Yeah, part of the deal is, uh, you know, you keep them flexible. So it demonstrated that if you're a good employer, you can kind of basically treat people well, they'll, they'll treat you well. JB Hi-Fi have got a personal resonance for me because my 88-year-old mother loves going to JB Hi-Fi because of the friendly staff who help her with hard-to-find CDs. And that's a very, very interesting. They're kind of the last person standing selling CDs, I suspect. Aren't they? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and in a sense, it's fascinating, isn't it? Because they made their name as a computer and CD seller, computer software, CD seller, game seller, none mm. of which make them much money. They've moved on. They, they call themselves now a box mover. So basically a new bit of technology comes in, they get to grips with it pretty fast, but they can still sell CDs to 88-year-old women. I think that's pretty impressive, actually, because uh, there's a lot of young people I would know who wouldn't know what a CD was. So. <laughs> and and the, the amazing thing, because we were in JB Hi-Fi the other day buying a, a new digital radio for mum, but I noticed I've got a vinyl section and there was Carol King Tapestry, on vinyl. <laughs> oh, fantastic. What a great shop. Yeah, well, in fact, there is a bit of a renaissance of vinyl, isn't there? I mean, down yes. in Hipster, Melbourne, there are a few stores that specialise in vinyl, and you can cut new vinyl yourself. Yeah, I haven't seen any cassettes yet, though. I don't think they'll be coming back anytime soon, but if they are, <laughs> they'll be in JB's, my bet, with <laughs> and the staff will know all about them, because they spend, apparently, according to their chair, they spend an awful lot of time and give plenty of time for their staff to get really competent at selling what they're selling. If you're going to sell something at very low margins, you've got to make each sales pitch work. Yeah, they do seem to know what they're talking about. So there's an interesting story about um, JB Hi-Fi. It was the most shorted stock on the ASX for a, a long period of time, wasn't it? It was, yes. And so when you got the, the tables from the ASX, uh, JB's was literally at the top. There were a significant investors, uh, big investors, institutional investors who were betting on JB's decline. And they were betting on it because they had a view that physical bricks and mortar retail was about to give way and yield to uh, online. And at the time of Amazon's declared uh, introduction to the Australian market, uh, that's when it started. And it continued up until last year and they finally gave up. Was there any to travel um, stocks? <laughs> <laughs> Move to travel stocks now. But was there any <laughs> unwinding of the short positions that aided the ascendancy of the price? I don't think so. I think it was going to happen anyway. I'm mm. not sure, but I and shorters, you know, they don't declare themselves particularly in the stock market. You can actually see them if you look at the people who are borrowing shares, because in order <laughs> to short, you have to borrow somebody else's shares. Yeah, it's an interesting but, way uh, of doing of trading, isn't it? It is, and it has a 
it, it, it has a purpose because there are some companies that are just all spruik and no um, no substance, mm-hmm. and it's important that people have the option of kind of voting against that um, by shorting. But in this case, they were making a, a value judgment about a particular form of um, business that they said was going to suffer, and just didn't suffer. So let's have a look at some uh, voting intentions. From what I've seen from the VIs, the um, ASA is voting in agreement with all the directors' re-election. Yep. So the provenance of the directors is is pure retail. They've all got a fantastic background in retail, and particularly the ones coming up. What we see is, is a well-constructed board. They've thought really hard about what are the people that are basically going to be directing this pretty slick and frugal operation and they, they only want people who can contribute so that one of the directors coming up is already a director on three retail operations in non-competing form but they, they all have the same kind of uh, background in sort of moving things fast through retail and being successful and not spending too much on advertising and so on. I mean, yeah, it's an interesting question isn't it? Can you recall a JB TV ad? No, I can't recall ever seeing one. No. Whereas, whereas if I ask you the same question about Harvey Norman that's constantly it's on. Man, it's constantly on, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Correct. So, so that's that's what they try and select in their directors: people that have been through that whole kind of vanity marketing stuff and got out the other end and realised that you know how much how much you have to spend and how much you don't have to spend in order to keep the cost down. So they they they, they in one, their annual report, it's a fascinating table. They write down their cost of doing business, which is kind of all the costs associated with retailing or moving boxes, as, as they would call it. And they say they are pretty close to the best in the world. So they've got the Walmarts, the Best Buyers, and all those people on the same table. That's pretty impressive, really. So just to sort of raise a a focus on keeping the cost down is why they're so successful, I think. That's extraordinary because Walmart does have a reputation for being the the greatest cost cutter of all. Correct. And look, they would screw their... um, their suppliers down on price pretty pretty hard because they've got such a volume. Yep. But that's only one of the aspects of cost. You know, this uh, marketing promotions, this managing your cloud services and all this sort of stuff that comes into it. And if you haven't got the whole package down at best practice, then when it adds up, it adds up. And um, you're happy with the remuneration report as well? Yes. I mean, that's interesting because last year we actually voted against it because it's a bit complicated that if you've got a long-term incentive plan, we would expect that you would basically wait till the end of the year, of the third year or fourth year typically is what we look for, fourth year or more. And then if it's met a particular financial hurdle, we let them uh, grant the plan. The reason we voted against it, Jade, is was first tested after year one and then thereafter where they paid out at year three based on year one's results. So in other words, whatever happened in the intervening two years, was not taken into account. We said that's not fair. In hindsight, this COVID thing has demonstrated that what they've done actually worked this time because nobody, is, when you look through the whole reporting season at the moment, nobody knows what's happening this year. They're not quite sure where the second wave is going to cause it to crash again and so on. So they're not putting in forecasts. They're not putting in guidance to the market and so on. So how do you reward your your senior executives if you can't put a reasonably reliably deliverable plan together? It's difficult. So We've, we will vote for it this year because it just happens to be, we believe them this year that beyond a year is pretty difficult to forecast in the current environment. And it's not terribly generous. They, for example, because they've done so well, the share prices at an all-time high right now, 
but the CEO still is only getting 87% of his maximum. So they must have pretty tough hurdles. So we think despite not meeting a guideline of ours, the circumstances that prevail today, plus the, the demonstrable hard marking of the board means that we will we'll give them a tick this year. And look, in context, I don't know if you follow Kogan, but they're giving several million options to their their founders and uh, CEO. Mm. And they're in about the $100 million mark at the moment. So that's just in one year they're going to be giving them. So they, they set the price at a very low point in the market and the Kogan's has improved in value by several, you know, four or five hundred percent. And these guys are so well in the money that it's almost uh, an indecent amount. <laughs> so the uh, the remuneration reflects the frugality of the organisation then? I think it does. And, yeah. you know, it's a, as I say, it's a hard-marking board and there's a, there's a switch at the top at this year. So we just hope Stephen Goddard, who's incoming uh, chair, follows the same process. But he's grown up in the business, so we have every expectation that the culture won't change. When he... So it's an internal appointment from somebody who's been around as they've kind of developed their culture here. So we're optimistic. Who, who was the previous chair? A guy by the name of Greg Richards, mm -hmm. who um, had been with them for quite a lot, all with major growth. It is absolutely his um, personality is frugal <laughs> um, and focused. You, you just have to meet him to sort of see it. And it is a good thing that they were able to find a replacement or a successor from within the organisation, presumably. Yeah, yeah. And not wheeled in at the last moment. He's, he's been in for quite some time. So, and as I say, he has got experience in other retail businesses so he, he comes with a reasonably wide expanse of, of knowledge and look i don't know if you if you picked up but there was a there was a lady called Tang who was um on their board yes a very sort of feisty sort of entrepreneur that's an interesting story there wasn't it it was yeah and she was on a couple of other boards and she resigned literally days before she died she was clearly suffering from a cancer mm. but stayed employed stayed active until kind of the last minute. And that's it speaks volumes about the people they pick, doesn't it? <laughs> that's right, hard-working, frugal people. Correct, correct. So are there any questions that you'll be asking at the AGM? Look, we're probably concerned about sort of competition. I mean, Harvey's not so much. We've asked in the past about Amazon, but that appears to have abated a bit. Amazon's done quite well, so we'd quite like an update on where they are because this COVID thing should have played to Amazon's strong card, which is the online business. Mm. And then, of course, there's a domestic competitor, which is Kogan, which is basically just going gangbusters at the moment and doesn't have a physical store presence. So in the new world, just how much does the physical store presence uh, count? And look, people have discounted that in the past and said we're going online and they've drunk from the Kool-Aid of the online and said that you know physical retail is, is dead. And, of course, uh, JB's proved them wrong. Um, so kind of interested in the next five years, how they see the online versus offline or online to offline. Okay, Mike, thank you very much for your time today. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Uh, lovely to talk to you, Phil. Enjoy. Thanks.